So I'm very excited about this episode, Kaylee, because again, I think this is an underrated episode, but I want to point out that there are a lot of Legendex actresses and actors throughout this episode who use really heavy accents. And Kaylee and I are likely going to try to mimic some of those accents. And I just don't want people to judge us because we're not doing it mean-heartedly. We're just trying to share the essence of the episode. We should say James Rode Rodriguez, who is a Latinx actor, is playing a white character in this show. And he's doing a very bad Latinx (laughs) accent in this show on purpose, as we'll find out. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> because he's trying to sound like El Pocoloyo guy. Is that a chain in California that I'm not familiar with? El I think Pollo it Loco? is, yeah. Okay. El Pollo Loco. Okay. The crazy chicken. <laughs> but the whole idea of James Rodé Rodriguez, throughout Psych, he only went by James Rodé. Mm-hmm. He, he dropped the Rod- Rodriguez throughout the all of Psych, and it's because when he started acting, there was a another somewhat predominant actor out there named James Rodriguez, and he didn't want to get confused with that guy. Valid. I think that's part of the reason David Bowie changed his name. Like, that's a thing that happens all the time. So you can just, like, differentiate yourself. Yeah, and I think that's smart. But I also think that he has come into just joy of his Latinx heritage. And so he has put the Rodriguez back on his name. And I'm I'm proud of him for that. Yeah, and having all three names, it still, like, sets it apart. So that's, you know. For sure. Good. uh... Also, his friends call him Rodé. They don't call him James very often. So... I didn't do the research enough to tell you if Rodé was like his middle name or something, but yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I get that. All right. So we'll do our best. Don't judge us. And uh, we're ready, Kay? Showtime. This is... To To the the Blueberry! I am Alexis, and I am a real-life Gus. I'm Kaylee, and I am a real-life Sean. And we started the To the Blueberry podcast for no other reason besides we are real-life best friends who wanted a good reason to talk to one another once a week. And this was an awesome outlet, not only for that, but also for our own personal creativity. Yeah, and we love re-watching this show. And, I mean, recapping it is just like a fun extra. (laughs) Yes. But we're hanging out while we do it, so it's great. I wish everyone could like really see what Kaylee and I do because it's a lot of faces. It's a lot of like motions. There's a lot of stuff going on. So it's a good time. This is a good time for us. But today we are recapping season two, episode 13, Lights, Camera, Homicidio. Homicidio? For the record, this show is going to deal a lot with the Spanish soap operas and telenovelas and oh, yes. how Big thing they are, no matter if you're Spanish speaking or not. And this is well before Jane the Virgin. But I'm just like, it's clear that something like Jane the Virgin, which references telenovelas and basically is a telenovela, like, was needed. Because it's just, it's, we're so ready for things like this. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I'm a fan of telenovelas. And I know that a lot of people do prefer them to soaps. For no other reason besides they're just more dramatic. And that's always... Awesome. Well, that's why I think a lot of us who watch Bollywood movies and watch K-drama shows, it's melodrama. And it's fun if you appreciate it for what it is. And yes, yes so great. <laughs> we open in a flashback to 1987 and Henry is absolutely sitting on the couch watching a telenovela 
like gripping a pillow to his chest. Uh, he's clutching it and he's got the, the remote up by his face and he's just engrossed. Like he almost looks misty eyed. He's so into it. Sean walks in and he's like, what are you watching? I, I wasn't, I wasn't watching. I was, I was half asleep. I was sleeping. Do you sleep with your eyes open? I was, I was half watching. It's just, <laughs> you can learn a lot from this, Sean. Sit down, sh- sit, sit and watch. Henry thinks it's educational. And Henry asks Sean to tell him what he can see on the show. And the first thing he said was that Logan is probably cheating on Sky <laughs> Because he had mentioned something about getting a vasectomy. Two, two years ago. That's it. <laughs> but then Henry's like, no, no, no. Look at the actress there. She is looking up into the light, which is helping her cry. And that is a normal trick that perps use in the interrogation room. So after watching this part, I stared at a light and it did not make me tear up or want to cry. <laughs> and I was like, how bright are these lights supposed to be to make me tear up? Because I, I yep, cry pretty fair. easily. That's not going to do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Baby Sean is like, wait, you're saying that acting is just faking stuff? It's all a lie? Do you think those goofballs on chips are really cops, Sean? Wow, you really had to go and ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> we got to present day and Sean and Gus are on a golf cart at a studio. Yeah, we're on a studio lot and Gus is pretty sure they're not allowed to be in that cart. And then he tells Sean that he'd rather be home eating breakfast and describes Eggs Benedict but doesn't call it Eggs Benedict. Well, he also skips the Canadian bacon part of Eggs Benedict, so maybe it's not a full Benedict. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. But Sean decides to pull out the old ring, 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 ring. Judy Dench called. She wants her breakfast back. And Gus is (laughs) disgusted by this throwback retro joke. Like, it was very hot on SNL. David Spade did it all the time. I love that in this scene, as well as in another scene, they call out the fact that they're doing bits <laughs> like it's it's beautiful the other scene is even better but this one is just like this is of, of course like how meta is this that in the show full of bits they're calling out doing bits i don't remember the other bit call out it's not so much a bit call out you'll see i've definitely it, got but it it's a meta moment because i remember meta yeah. moments okay okay so then we get a now if i were a crime scene where would i be oh there we are <laughs> <laughs> So we pull up to the crime scene it, on a set. Yes, and we are in Corrine's living room. Gus is pumped because he knows exactly where he is. He starts describing things. It's all Greek to Sean. And Gus tells us that we are on the set of Explosion Gigantesca de Romance. Does that mean the giant explosion of romance? That's what I got from it. But again, okay. I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> no, I don't either. But it's a telenovela. And Gus tells us, it's a craze, Sean. Everybody in Santa Barbara is watching it. So our suspect, who is being grilled by Lassie and Juliet, is the guy who plays Vicente. I guess his name is, wait, Jorge Gamalobo? Gamalobo, yep. Okay. We go through so many names, y'all, because we get people's first names, last names at different times, as well as their character names, and it's all thrown around, so I'm gonna try my best. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with Jorge for him. Although they often refer to him as Mr. Gamalobo as well as his character name, but I wrote down Jorge mostly for him. Now, 
the Corinne and the Contessa I mix up quite often. So Contessa and Corinne are the same. Corinne. And then Sarina is the character of Corinne's sister. So I... Correct. I don't know that actress's name. I think we only get it like once. But anyway, Mr. Gamma Lobo, Jorge, is the guy who plays Vicente, who is Gus's favorite. And he go like, honestly, I didn't write all this down. He did all kind of stuff on this show. And I guess he's a player. Mm-hmm. And that's why Gus loves him. <laughs> but the dead guy is, I didn't write down his real name at all. His uh, character is oh. Ernesto. His name is Rinaldo Nunez. Okay. Okay. So his character is And I Ernesto. call him Nunez. Nunez. Yes. Gus blames the fact that he is so into this telenovela on all the doctor's offices that he visits because that's what's playing in the waiting room, I guess. It's on in every doctor's room I visit. I had no choice but to get sucked in. You had a choice. You always have a choice. You still have a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Sean does a weird noticey thing here where he zeroes in on the dead guy's underwear. It kind of looks like he's wearing a diaper to me. (laughs) I thought maybe it was some sort of like, wrap or bandage when i saw it <laughs> we get more just of this because later, of the placement but yeah yeah it's definitely underpants it's underpants yeah so lassiter's like you know what guys y'all can leave you don't need to be here o'hara jumped the gun which is weird because when we were on our way sean specifically said lassie called yep so i guess lassie but- just doesn't wants to separate himself from the requesting lassiter said this case is open and shut and Sean was like, Juliet, you don't have to make up lies to get us here. All you have to do is call me and say, Sean, I'm here. I've got pudding pops. I'll keep that in mind. But the reason it's so cut and dry is that the murder was caught on film. The stabbing that occurred. So Jorge keeps going, I'm telling you, I didn't do it. And yet we... Somebody switched the knife. So he's saying it was a frame job or it was an accidental stabbing because it was supposed to be a prop and I was just doing what the script said. He's like, please, you have to help me, whoever you are. As the boys walk. <laughs> Gus doesn't care. Gus wants to take this case. He, he's like, do it for me, Sean. Figure it out. I want this case. And Sean goes, I have a question. Are those delicious looking sandwiches for everyone? Okay, she has, like, a old-timey wheelbarrow full of sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I want a wheelbarrow full of sandwiches. As do I. But my question is, <laughs> why is it a wheelbarrow full of sandwiches for Crafty? <laughs> so, I didn't see a wheelbarrow. I just saw, like, a cart. But, okay. I, I, the, I don't know. It just caught me weird. I was like, this is a strange... The way they're stacked up and they're all exposed. This something's off here. <laughs> Well, that was our delicious for the episode. Oh, yes. Gus is very upset that that is the only question that Sean asks. But Sean starts watching the monitor of Jorge stabbing Nunez. He also noticed one thing while the police were on their way out. There was a hair in the evidence bag with the bloody knife. Ah, yes. So pinning that. The video is showing Jorge stabbing Nunez. And you can see in Jorge's face that he did not know that that knife was going to go into Nunez. He doesn't look angry. He looks surprised and frightened yeah. about the knife going in. Yeah, Sean's, Sean's exact words were like, oh, well, there's no tells. There's no like, oh, I'm faking surprise and it took me an extra second or I'm changing my face from rage to surprise 
like, and it's manufactured. None of that at all. No. It was just straight up confusion. And Gus was like, well, what does that mean? And Sean said, we have a case. Gus is so excited that he hits Sean really hard in the arm slash shoulder. And Sean is like bending over in pain like, oh, too hard, man. (laughs) (laughs) Then come our opening credits. It's Spanish. This is our our third specific opening credits because these are completely in Spanish. And I quite enjoy them. What was our first one again? Because I know the Christmas one and I know this one. What was the the first one? Because I didn't write that down. Maybe ever. I know we talked about it on the podcast. I guess I'll just have to listen again because I don't remember. I don't know what the episode was. Mm. All right. Well. I could be wrong. Hey, if you want to correct me, I would appreciate that. That is to the blueberry podcast at gmail.com. Super easy to reach us. Let me know that I'm wrong or let me know that I'm right. I would appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Cut to Santa Barbara Police Department where Sean is putting on a spectacle display, seemingly for Chief, and then we find out that Jules and Lassie are also in the room. Chief isn't convinced. Gus really isn't playing into the scene as the victim being stabbed. I need some emotion. Sean says, for that to have been faked, he would have had to be, like, the stupidest murderer ever. Lassie says, or the smartest because, like, as a cover of, oh, no, it was an accident. We do find out that Jorge has been pulled from the show <gasps> pending the investigation. What? No, you can't. They can't do that. <laughs> Gus is very upset, but only because he's worried about the storyline. He has to figure out if it's that guy's baby. He needs to find out who the follower of Serena's baby is. <laughs> Sean mentions the hair on the murder weapon, and Jules admits that they have not tested it yet, Laster doesn't even want to test it, which I say, that's terrible police work. Yes, yes it is. You're not following the evidence at all, bruh. Sean said, I think it's a woman's hair, or perhaps belonging to a Ted Nugent imposter. <laughs> Lassie is like, it could have been from anywhere. It could have been from the person who bagged it. To which Chief points out, you mean the bald guy I can see from my window right now? <laughs> I, I didn't get his name. It's not Dobson, so it doesn't matter to me. Sean said, I just need one day. Give us one day to correct this terrible mishap that the Santa Barbara Police Department has created and solve this case. And basically clear the name of the Santa Barbara Police Department for being terrible at solving crimes. (laughs) Lassiter did point out that really the only evidence they needed was that evidence of watching him stab. Because they do. They have absolute video evidence of Jorge stabbing me. We're at the studio, and Sean is most excited about the craft service table, because which is not surprising. Now they're officially on the case. They get access, and he's so pumped. But Gus is like, no, 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 no. It's time to work. We've only got one day to enjoy the crafty. We've got to get down to it. They run into Lance Rothstein, who is the one of the writers or the head writer for the show, and... Sean's kind of confused because this guy isn't even Latino and he's like, what? He doesn't even speak Spanish. And Gus pointed out that he's a good writer and he used to write on Blossom. Yeah, he's a Hollywood guy. (laughs) So we get a Blossom reference. But he felt that the medium of Spanish soap operas was closer 
to well, how did he phrase it to like the nitty gritty of like the human experience or something and Sean says clearly he didn't write the episode of Blossom where she adopts a chimp and hits the road in an 18 wheeler that was BJ and the bears <laughs> Lance is like I don't talk to actors go give your headshots to someone else and Sean's like I am not an actor my name is Sean I'm a psychic this is my partner Lavender Gooms <laughs> Gus steps in to say his real name because he's a big fan. But he's like, sir, this was not a murder. And Lance is like, duh, I'm not even psychic and I knew that. But what he says is, I don't need a crystal balls to tell you that much. <laughs> and kind of walks off and Sean just goes, I want to appreciate the fact that I didn't even touch that. I just left it there. <laughs> so Lance is saying that a murder is still loose and... Someone in my condition does not need this kind of added stress. I've already got hereditary angina and shin splints. What a good Gus move right there. And then he just kind of quickly looks at Sean again and goes, listen, are you sure you're not an actor? Because you really do have a certain look. Gus says, what, a shallow look? Does that look shallow? <laughs> Lance is really worried because if they don't get the show done and recorded, Today, they're going to have to do the show live at the end of the week, and he really doesn't want to do that. They're like, okay, well then, can you at least tell us where Jorge lives so that we can go find him? And he's like, dude, his marriage broke up two years ago. He lives here. And they see his dressing room where he quote-unquote lives. At the Santa Barbara Police Department, Juliet is pushing Lassiter, and she really wants to question some other cast members, but Lassiter is not about that. He just feels like the only true suspect is Jorge, and that's all there is to it. But then Juliet notices a new female officer who is checking in to work, and uh, the female officer straight up ignores Juliet as she tries to offer a, a friendly hand. Well, Lassiter told us that her name is Pascaretti. Penny. She's a newbie from Oakland. Jules is really excited. She's like, yes, new blood. I love new blood. And Lassiter, in a very Jamie way, is like, I hate new blood. <laughs> <laughs> but Jules also says, like, it's nice to have more females around because we're swimming in an ocean of testosterone here. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like where I work. So I feel that. We are back at Jorge's dressing room. Jorge is packing up his boxes because he's being removed from the show. And I don't know if you saw it, Kay, but right next to his box that he's packing up, there is. There is a pineapple sitting next to his box. You only see the top of it. But it's, it's clear as day, a pineapple. And if you keep staring at it, you'll see all of the leaves coming up from the top of it. Okay, my pineapple is later in the show. I have another pineapple yeah. later in the day. Oh we my god, a, I didn't see that one at all. Yeah. Ah, okay. It's hard to catch. I cheated. But it's for sure there. So Gus breaks in, first of all, with a plot question because he still, he needs to know if Serena's baby is, is Vicente's. But of course, the first thing Sean notices are these meatballs in the trash can. But Kelly, um, the crafty girl assistant lady, gave them to him. Sean is he like... He just loves those meatballs. Sean is like, I could just grab the fork out. Come on, Gus, they're still steaming. <laughs> <laughs> we get that 
Jorge's family is still in Mexico. We see a, a picture hanging on the wall. Some bad jokes are made. And then Sean notices that there's wall damage. There's a cracked frame and just like a really bad patch on the wall. So he psychs out uh, a little Where bit. someone had tried to fix it. And he was like, I, I'm sensing there was an altercation in this room. There was a, a fight. He goes, yes, it was Quintessa. Quintessa is the woman who plays Corrine. She's like the, the Latina character. Susan Lucci. She hates me. <laughs> she beat me up. Gus is really skeptical. He doesn't think there's any woman who could beat up Jorge specifically. So if we take it in that context, what Gus said can be fine because he's just being like a fanboy, I feel like. Yeah. But Sean just looks at Gus and goes, be Arthur. I stand corrected. <laughs> so then we hear breaking glass and Quintessa is fighting with Lance and we get that it's over a line and he promises to change it. So she opens her door and then he's like, I just need to know another Spanish word for nipple. No. So she, I don't care what the line is. No. no. You don't have to say the word nipple. <laughs> <laughs> she throws a vase of flowers at him and then he like runs away and Sean clocks on the floor of her dressing room the blue and white underwear. I think they were a flag of some sort. I, yeah. I think they were flag underpants. Yeah, me too. I, I don't know what flag underpants they were, but yeah, definitely underpants. They match the ones that he saw on Nunez. Yeah, I just wrote on Dead Guy. So they're following Quintessa, and they're asking her questions, and she's like, I already talked to the scurvy-looking guy. <laughs> the tall scurvy guy with no rhythm. <laughs> Lassiter. Um, <laughs> and Sean's like, well, we're not, you know, the police. And he's like, we just want to ask you about your relationship with Nunez. And she goes, what relationship? I mean, I barely knew him. We just worked together. <laughs> Sean says, yes, but did you spend any time together offset? Or in his dressing room? No, never. She said, well, I mean, I guess he came to my dressing room. To rehearse lines or something. Lies. He kind of takes both her hands and puts them to his head. He goes, <laughs> well, okay, I didn't write down what he said. It was like really messed up. I don't know what uh, actually was said, but my notes say quite naked. Oh, yeah. Something about pancake batter. And I'm seeing that he was quite, quite naked. And she goes, there are you a psychic or some kind of witch? This whole time, Gus is trying to get a hair from Contessa's head because they want one to match against the hair that was on the knife. They don't get the hair. It doesn't work out. And they make a deal that Gus is going to go to props, check it out, see what could have happened. And Sean is going to go and groan Lance, the writer. As Contessa walks away, she says something to Sean in Spanish. I didn't catch the first word. It didn't show it on my captions. But the second word is brujo which is like male witch. Oh, the things you learn. We head to the set of the extreme gigantic romance explosion. <laughs> and there is this really bad actor who is acting as the delivery guy. And it's, it's just very eyebrowly. The people that are directing the show are like, what is he doing? We need to put a pin in the fact that he's eyebrowy because it does come back. Sean's <laughs> <laughs> like, he shouldn't, he shouldn't be doing it like that. Um, it starts, it starts I, it's, it's got to be better. It's, it's all in the eyes. And the director goes, well, how would you do the line? 
And that's where the scene ends. We head over to props with Gus. They are talking about the retractable knife that is used in the scene. And the props guy says that the fake knife is virtually identical to the real knife. Yeah, it's even the same weight. So there's no way Jorge would have like just known it was the fake one. The only mm-hmm. difference is that the blade retracts, really. Oh, speaking of retracting blades and not knowing the difference, I'm going to take a total sidebar here and do a little movie recommendation corner. Have you seen the movie Knives Out? Okay, so I can tell that I've been watching too much Psych because there was this one character in the movie that didn't make sense to be in the movie. And so when Drew paused it and was like, who's the murderer? I was like, there's no other reason for her to be in this movie. It's her. It wasn't her. Who, who did you think was the murderer? Um, Walt, the publisher, his wife. Walt? There was just, there was no reason for her to be there. Walt, the publisher. So I didn't... Yeah. Oh, the, the, son. the son. Yeah. I don't even remember the wife. Right. There was no purpose for her to be there. She's the murderer. She's just the mother of the small Nazi. Right, right. But there is a whole retractable blade scene in there and not being able to tell the difference. It's a very good movie. I would highly recommend it to anybody who likes a good good mystery, a good... I'm going to call it a cozy. There wasn't a huge love story in it. There wasn't a huge amount of blood. It was a great whodunit. I haven't seen a better whodunit since, like, a true to the book adaptation of like an Agatha Christie, but Mm -hmm. the sequel is coming out November 23rd in theaters, December 23rd on Netflix. And it's called glass onion, green onions, glass. It's a, it's a Beatles song. Less tasty than green onions, but probably a better movie title. (laughs) While they're at props, the prop guys like hair, go ahead, stab me. It's fun. And so Gus gets to stab the guy, which is just kind of funny. And then he's like, Hey, can I borrow this to show my partner for the investigation? Like, totally, totally that's why I need it. <laughs> he heads to the set, he talks to Sean, and he points out that the knife that was used to stab Nunez had changed hands seven times Ooh. before the actual stabbing occurred. That's a really good point. But then he's like, am I the only one actually doing any work? Because what are you doing, Sean? Why are you just standing around? Sean's like, uh, it's a little hard to explain. I really want to work. I'm trying very hard. Thing is, you're in my eyeline, <laughs> and we see that Sean is now supposed to be doing the scene with the actress who plays Serena. Gus walks away, someone screams action, and we get a blackout. And it's funny. It's it's very theatrical, also, like that, which makes total <laughs> the sense. The music when you that. see the actress is like, yeah. it, it's the sound of sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> At the Santa Barbara Police Department. Lassiter and Juliet are questioning Anita, who is the actress that plays the sister of Corina, who is Contessa. (laughs) Yeah. So Serena, who we just saw, is now sitting with the detectives. And their question is, did you ever know Gamalobo to be violent? And she said, yes. Yes. And then just starts quoting all this terrible stuff that he's done. He pushed somebody off a bridge seven years ago. What? Oh, so he was caught. No, he beat the rap. What? And then, and then she's like, but there was a witness. Juan Sandoval. So then we get a... Buzz, get in here. <laughs> or McNabb, I guess. Yay, Buzz. <laughs> Buzz looked at her and said, hey, wasn't that 
from the show. I'm a fan of the show. Jules jumps in. Oh, yeah, that was the guy that that that. And then later the next season did this and that. And <laughs> like facial surgery and, and murder raps. And, and they're all like nodding. And everybody's on the same page except for Lassiter. It's hilarious. Lassiter's like, who who comes up with this stuff? And Anita says that the writers are really good at coming up with these sorts of storylines. They get referred to as murder geniuses. Which I'll just say, referring to a writer as a murder genius is nothing new. No. Because they are. And that's the whole premise of yep. the show Castle. <laughs> Which is also a good show. That, that would also go on our To the Blueberry podcast recommendation list. Yes. And if we keep wanting to do the show after we've done all the movies, we can switch to Castle. <laughs> oh, yeah. I would be 100% on board with that. Amanda would, too. Okay. Oh, Yes. Sean is now officially the delivery man on the set of Explosion, Giant Explosion of Romance. (laughs) And he comes in and starts doing the part and then has this real weird macking scene with Condessa. Oh my gosh. And then something goes wrong with like the dipping during the kissing and she like walks off mad. But basically Lance says that Sean is now his muse. Sean was like, oh yeah, she's sweet. Sweet like Mariah Carey on a bender. Snap. But Gus says, I thought it lacked a little bit of passion, Sean. I'm getting by with the Spanish I learned from Charro. Charro on the love boat. Charro. Charro. You have to say it like her. Charro. Charro. Sean did up getting a hair from Corina while he was dipping her in their weird macking session. And then Lassiter comes in, and he is very upset that Sean and Gus are there. You are wasting department resources. Leave. And then he gets um, a set guy involved, and he says, Roger, you need to remove these fools. And Roger's like, oh, well, he also tells Roger to drop the Joe, with the coffee he's holding. And he's like, actually, this is for Mr. Spencer. Mr. Spencer? Chad. Yeah, Chad, I guess. (laughs) So while he was talking to Roger, we do see Roger drop us like an old script into a recycle bin mm-hmm. and carry a coffee. So he's obviously just like a lackey for all the way around the, the, the stage. But Kelly from Craft Services comes and she said. These pineapple peking dumplings are made special for you, Chad. In case you missed it, I have to emphasize something here. When Roger came, Roger called him Mr. Spencer. Well, Chad. I guess. <laughs> and when Kelly came, Kelly called him Chad. Now, the writers refer to them regularly as Chad and Krina instead of Gundessa and Sean, but... It's a very weird kind of line between the two characters that uh, you've seen get blurred many times already, including with Anita when she was in police custody. Mm. That's a really good point. Gus takes the pineapple peking dumplings and eats them. And Lasseter's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Because he sees that Sean has a seat with his name on it sitting at the set. What do you call those? Those kinds of seats with like the cloth backings that have the personalization? Director's chair is what I would call it. <laughs> yeah. But he's not a director. So. Cast chair? 
Sure. Okay. So then Sean hands Lassie a little baggie that has a hair in it. And he's like, here you go. And then Lassiter opens the bag, takes the hair out, and poofs it away. Lassiter, that's uncalled for. Sean is appalled. Yes. I guess they did analyze the hair from the baggie that had the knife in it. And the hair was from a synthetic wig. But that's still not appropriate yeah. to do to someone who's trying to help And you. here's my thing. Lassiter instantly goes, the hairs on Quintessa Gabrielle's head is real. So it's not a match. Ha 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 ha. But he didn't even test that woman's hair. You don't know if she's got secret synthetic weave? Yeah, she got a weave. That's not her hair. I would bet all of the money in the world. And you know what? Good for her. Because most people would never even think about it. I just look at weaves all the time, so I'm all about it. But come on. I I want one kind of secretly, but I don't think it'll work. So I... I don't want a straight one. Right. Like, I think I... Want, I, I want, like, a longer... I thought about getting extensions, too. And I think they call those white girl weave because they don't put them in the same way as, like, actual weave. Oh. Okay. Again, the more you learn. I kind of have uh, not white girl hair, though. We so... don't know what kind of hair you have, because even sisters can't straighten that mess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I love your hair. No, so that's not completely true. Ari does a wonderful job straightening my hair, and it stays straight for all of uh, 18 hours. Do you know, I thought the person that you used in college to help you straighten your hair was Latina. Ah, uh, yeah. So my old college roommate loved straightening my hair. She had very straight, nice hair, but she loved straightening my hair. And she was from, oh, she was in, from El Salvador. Oh, baller. That's where my friend's yep. parents were from. We're in the writer's room. Lasseter enters and he asks Lance for all of the scripts and all of the storylines because he has a warrant to search and confiscate the writer's room because the writers are murder geniuses. Boom. And then... We get a scene of Henry settling in on his couch, changing the channel from a sports channel to a soap opera, which is the Explosion Gigante de Romance, which I said kind of French, but that's the language I, I was know. like, there was a ha ha there. Yeah, that's, that's the language I know. Anyway, um, <laughs> he sees a Sean scene and Sean is looking at Serena and doing the eyebrow thing. And Henry's just like... What? <laughs> Sean brings back those eyebrows. <laughs> All of a sudden, we are in the hospital. Oh, yeah. And it's the same B-roll of the hospital that we get, like, every time we get a hospital. Correct. Lassiter and Juliet come in because Jorge tried to 1144 himself. Lassiter is certain that it was because he was so guilty because he left a note saying that he had murdered Nunez. Nunez. <laughs> Thank you. But Sean and Gus are already there by his side. Lassiter is so over it. He cannot take any more. And he tells them to get out. Get out right now. And a nurse enters. And she's like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave, sir. Julia very politely explains that they are the detectives investigating this man who is now in a coma, apparently. And the nurse says, the only people authorized to be in this room are these two gentlemen who are on his friends and family's list. Boom. Sean does share with Lassiter that 
he has no family in the area, which we found out from the picture earlier. And Juliet just looks at them and goes, how does he make friends so fast? Gus says, I can't believe this guy was that depressed, though. I mean, murder? Attempted suicide? A coma? This is really starting to turn into an actual soap opera. At that most convenient moment, Sean sees another hair, just like the one from the night, near slash on Jorge's head. He picks it up and he says, unless he was wearing a wig, I don't think he tried to kill himself. And dramatically turns. Um, what? What are you saying? What? That, that's what Gus oh. says. <laughs> they have this whole back and forth where Sean makes a very dramatic statement. And Gus is like, dude, you're confusing me. It happens three times. In true comedy fashion. And Sean is like, dude, I've given this to you three different ways. (laughs) Like, how are you not getting this? Because Gus is not playing his dramatic melodrama games. The same person who attacked Nunez attacked Jorge. And we get this very dramatic music playing that ends the scene. (laughs) Back at the SVPD, we're looking at the 1144 note that, um... Jorge apparently left, and Jules starts reading it, and Lassiter says, wait a second, I know that. And Jules is like, what do you mean you know that? He starts digging through all the scripts that he had confiscated from the writers, and he realizes that word for word, the 1144 note that Jorge left was from a scene earlier on, on Romanzar Explosion de Gigantica. Please don't judge me for this. I don't know what it is. I can't say it. So the script was written by Lance, and so they instantly suspect him. Like, but what? Did he just get lazy all of a sudden? The next scene is Sean talking to Lance through this jail window, and they're talking on a phone like they were, and Sean was like, I've been in jail before. This is kind of what it feels like. And we find out that it's just a set. Oh, I mean, those, uh, these phones aren't real, but yeah, it's the same. And it was, of course, just the set. But at that very moment, Lassiter and Juliet come in to arrest Lance for the murder of Nunez. Sean said, don't worry, I can get you off on that one. And then they talk about, and the attempted murder of Jorge. And he goes, ooh. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not so sure about that one. I don't have that much more for that scene. And then we're back at the SPPD. And we see Penny, the new officer, and she's starting to get up and Juliet makes a waiver. She's like, oh, don't get up. I'm not staying. I just wanted to, you know, come and see you and tell you that I, you know, I've seen you around and looks like you're kind of closed off. And I forget how it happens, but then she's like, oh, I also noticed you eating a cupcake the other day. So I got you the same kind. It's red velvet. Here you go. The officer said, Juliet was like, I mean, you're always eating alone. I feel like you're not really adapting. You're a little abrasive. And I I just, I want you to, I want you to know that, how things work around here. I want you to have friends. And the officer said, um, I think I'm getting a good idea of how things go around here. Good. Oh, good. Juliet's just so happy about this. And I think that Juliet has the same love language that I do, which I appreciate immensely. Which love language is that? Gift giving. Oh. We are outside the studio and Henry is chilling there. Yeah, Henry's on the lot and then Sean comes up and he's like, well. Dude, you got to try this sandwich. <laughs> but Henry's like, I already had lunch. What am I doing here? 
<laughs> Sean said, you always complain that you have never been able to visit me while I was working a real job. Um, and now here I am in a real job. This isn't a real job, Sean. Henry thinks that Sean is just seeking attention by doing this. And again, shares his Henry wisdom about the case. When Sean tells him everything that's been going down, he said, I just don't know why it would have happened. Jorge didn't have a motive. Henry said, no motive, no conviction. I don't know what scene we get it in, but Lasseter and Juliet had this conversation a little bit. And Lasseter thinks there are motives for different people for different reasons. None of it holds water. But Henry basically outs himself as a habitual watcher of the show, and he starts denigrating Sean for all the messed up stuff that his character does. Like, I can't believe you did this and that to that person, and you have no integrity. <laughs> and you sound like the El Pollo Loco guy. <laughs> Sean was like, wait a second, wait a second. You're talking about Chad. My it's me, character. Papa. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets his brainwave after he says, I'm trying to sound like the El Pollo Loco guy. <laughs> he says, they can't tell the difference. Why couldn't a fan blur the line between the show and reality if my own father could blur the line between the show and reality? And then we get another look at the fans who are waiting outside, who Henry was surprised to see because Sean's barely been on the show for five days. And they're literally like screaming, oh my gosh, Chad! And also, I want your baby! But they're men? And Sean's just like, why don't I have any female fans? <laughs> Actual jail. <laughs> Actual jail, yeah. And Lance loves being in jail. He feels like it's fuel for the show because he hasn't had any real life experiences up to this point. But this, this is it. This is real life experience. It's like Hemingway, like Elroy, Steinbeck, Danielle Steele. <laughs> Sean goes, Ethan Hawke. Gus said, Judy Bloom. Lance said, exactly. <laughs> so, basically, Lance doesn't want to leave jail. He thinks it's fuel for his writing because he grew up in Pasadena? Yeah, not anywhere hard. And they tell him that the Santa Barbara prison isn't hard. It, it was rated like a good alternative for some spas. And he's not really hearing them, but basically they're like, listen, you need to like write the show to help us catch a crazed fan because that's who we know is behind this now. Lance is like, that's perfect. I'm going to write from in here. I love it in here. <laughs> yeah. But Sean has a, a psychic freak out, just like a little one where he said that the murderer is doing this to protect Corinne. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't write that down at this point. Lance Lance is listening and he's like, okay, like that's a good story, but what's act two? And the boys are like, dude, this isn't a story. Okay, <laughs> fine. And Sean wants him to write a scene where Chad is going to hurt Corinne so that the murderer will come looking for Sean, aka Chad, and protect Corinne. Right. We're back at the SBPD and Chief is voraciously eating a salad and watching... Explosion gigante de romance. <laughs> Jules walks in. She's like, hey, you wanted to see me? I don't know how to say this, Juliet, but... I wanted to get your side I... of things. <laughs> the new officer, Penny Pas Pascaretti? Yes, Pascaretti, I think. Has filed a harassment charge against Juliet. And Juliet's like, what? what? I haven't done anything. All I did was give her a cupcake. You... 
gave her a cupcake? You're, you're lucky she didn't bring you up for stalking. Chief Vic gives Juliet some advice, which is that the women in the department are in general more cautious for good reason. And they are much more slow to trust one another. She shouldn't try to push it onto anyone, <laughs> Penny, or any anyone. Yeah, yet. and so Juliet's like, "What? So we just like can't have friends? Like, no female officer can have friends?" And Chief kind of says, "Yeah." She absolutely says, "Yeah," and Juliet is just heartbroken. And she's like, "But I kind of thought that we were friends." We're not. And stop buying pastries. So Jules goes to leave and Chief kind of goes, I like your blouse. Oh, thanks. I got it on sale. It was so pretty. Yada, blah, blah, blah. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Please leave. <laughs> I don't care. And that was, in my opinion, Vic's way of saying, I need to prove my point, but I also want to know that I care about you as a human. That's exactly what I got. I got, okay. okay, maybe we are secretly friends, but you need to know where to draw the line. Stop buying pastries. Again, that's her love language. And then she goes back to lunching and watching. And, okay, for me, I guess it is giving gifts. That's not the way I feel loved. That's the way I show it. But mostly it's food-based. It's like, let me cook for you. Yeah. Mostly it's, let me feed you, because I don't know what else to do to express love. <laughs> our, our preacher was having a pretty rough day at church a couple, couple weeks ago. And I was like, Justin, do you want me to make you some cookies? And he was like, no, no, it's okay. I'm good. And when I told like my, my team this, my small group this, they were like, why did he say no to your cookies? Well, we found out that he's on a, like a, a low sugar kind of diet right now. And I was like, giving people cookies is my love language. Let me love you. <laughs> I once was on the phone with an HR lady who sounded like she was having a really rough time. And my first instinct was someone needs to get this woman a cupcake. Yeah. Sometimes that's all you need. Oh, yeah. Oh, we're back in the jail for a really quick little aside with Lance. And they're behind on the show. So on Friday, they're going to have to record live, which means they need a script now, like tonight. They want Corinne to go after Chad so that somebody sets it up so that the job is finished and Chad, a.k.a. Sean, is killed. They're going to work out the details in the meantime and make sure that doesn't happen. So what happened was they said, you really have to play up the murder weapon. It has to be really specific. And Lance thinks it's a stupid story idea, but they need to do it. The show is live. It has started. Sean is like, okay, I'm going to have plenty of time during my change for me to talk to you and make sure that everything is okay while Corinne is doing her monologue. And so we can make sure that I don't get murdered. That's kind of the, the story. So Sean is to go and take care of it. And Gus is to watch for suspicious activity. Behind the scenes, yeah. Do we also see Jules and Lasseter just sort of being on set at this point? Or is that in a minute? I don't have them yet, okay. but I'm not sure. Because I didn't have a ton of notes for this part. Because it was all just kind of like the soap opera doing soap opera things. Well, my favorite part about it, Sean refers to Corinne. Chad refers to Corinne as a sweet nectarine wrapped in taffeta. After and... she asks if she looks fat. <laughs> so is the answer yes? Beautiful and fat? Well, Contessa leans back and looks at him and goes, improvisation. I like it. <laughs> and that 
is the other super meta moment that I was thinking oh, about. Oh, I thought it was all the, you have a certain look. Are you sure you're not an actor? <laughs> no, I mean, that probably too. But this this moment, like, because, and I know we've talked about it before, so much of the the bits and the moments that we have in this show that are that help make it so great were improv. They were just people ad-libbing and riffing, and it worked out really, really well. And you told me that that was one of the reasons why Roday got the job. Yeah, and well, he had, when he did, like, chemistry reads for everybody, they had him doing that to them so that they could suss out, like, who can play this game the way we're going to play this game. Corinne asks Chad to go get the nail gun from the garage because... She needs to fix something that's been broken forever. The shelf has been loose. That's it. <laughs> so, Sean leaves the scene. Gundessa goes on her monologue, and we exit stage left, right, and Gus is sitting there watching the TV monitor to watch for anything suspicious going on. But Sean was like, dude, you're supposed to be watching the prop table to see who tampers with the nail gun. He's like, it's okay. I'll check it myself. It's not a big deal. And then they're but like, then here comes. You have to get out there. She skipped like three pages. <laughs> Roger came back and shared that with him, and I quite enjoyed that. I love that part. So there's no time to check the nail gun. So he has to take it out there, likely knowing that that nail gun is going to murder him. Sean starts talking to Condessa in a English in English with a pretty heavy pretty bad Spanish accent. Instead of even pretending with Spanish anymore. Because he can't, because he only learned what Jalala taught him. And he actually at one point said, uh, do not point that at me. That is very dangerous. And she's like, of course, I know it's dangerous. Like, uh, that's what it is. It's a nail gun. So then she actually shoots towards him and he dodges and three actual nails go into the wall where he used to be standing. They all freak out. Oh my gosh, this is a real nail gun. And Sean starts to do his recap right there on live TV for the world to see. He thinks that it's her twin sister or maybe someone who wants to be her twin sister. Someone who wants to be Corinne. And then he's trying to figure it out and finally looks at Condessa and is like, okay, I'll just tell you, you translate for me. And he whispers in Condessa's ear and she just stops points and goes you did it and she was like where's the drama here and he's pointing to kelly our little pa girl the little the little craft services girl that makes all the delicious food so what we find out is that kelly took it upon herself to avenge corinne for all of the terrible things that were happening to her on the show and she admits it she fully goes yes I did it because, Corinne, you were too weak to protect yourself and he was treating you so bad and he just had to go. <laughs> Why do they always admit it? She, well, she's like very like, Chad, you're terrible. You cheated and blah, blah, blah. And you had to die. And she grabs the nail gun and tries to shoot Sean again. We do find out that she was the one that switched the knives and she had gotten Jorge by poisoning these meatballs that he loves so much that she brings to him all the time. And that is how Jorge ended up in a coma and how Nunez ended up dead. But the reason we got this was because Sean noticed a little tiny mark on Kelly's head where the wig 
that she was wearing to impersonate Corinne whenever she was doing these awful, cruelly, deadly murder things. Yeah. Lassiter and Jules come on set where we're still rolling, folks. All of this is on <laughs> film. And they arrest her. And when they realize they're on film, Lassiter just sort of goes, Miyamo, Detective Carlton Lassiter, mi, mi gusto queso. I like cheese too, Lassie. <laughs> I do not. It's all yours. What? <laughs> I only took seventh grade Spanish. <laughs> and um, Jules is just like, really? Mi gusto queso? That's what you go with? And they walk <laughs> off scene. The final scene of this episode Henry, Sean, and Gus sitting at Henry's house watching an episode of Explosion Gigante de Romance. Thank you, <laughs> It is Anita, Jorge, and Corinne, and they are carrying a wrapped body. <laughs> right. The implication being that it's Chad. It is Chad's <laughs> body. Okay, but on the sofa, Gus, Sean, and Henry are so wrapped. They're just, like, curled up on themselves, and they're just, like, watching avidly. And this is where we find out that Chad was, in fact, the father of Anita's baby. Was it Anita's baby or Serena's baby? I have uh, uh, Serena. Serena was Anita's character's name. Ah, yes. okay, yes. <laughs> and Gus goes... <gasps> <laughs> they dump the body in the well. They walk away. And then we pan over and look into the well. And bubbles start coming up. And then Chad comes out from the well, looks straight up at the camera. End of episode. He's also sort of doing eyebrows. Not just end of the explosion romance show, but in fact, the end of the psych episode. Psych season two, <laughs> episode 13 or 12 or whatever episode we're on. And then we get more Spanish uh, credits. Yes, they're beautiful. Those are so fun. That is a, again, underrated, funny episode. Short of that one scene that we didn't talk about. Well, it's like one part of the scene, yeah. Yeah. There's not a a ton of stuff that doesn't age well in this episode. And I do feel like we're finding that a little bit more as we're going on. I think it gets a little bit worse and then a little bit better as the season goes on. But in this particular episode, it was just like, it was flowing. It was funny. The the accents were bad, but they were also great. <laughs> These people who are playing Jorge and Gantessa are true Latinx actors and actresses who have a very long history of working in like Spanish speaking roles. Um, so although they're maybe not guest stars that you and I, Kaylee, would recognize on a daily basis. They're they're truly they truly are guest stars for this episode. And Lance Rothstein is our other guest of the episode. I don't know the actor's name, but you will know you will know who he is. You will know his as soon face. as you see him. Yeah. Yep. And I, I feel bad. I didn't Google that much outside for this one. I was just like, telenovelas. Cool. Yes, I get it. <laughs> it's it's very, very good. Again, very clever. I think this is a very clever murder. Maybe not as clever as some of the ones we've had in the past, but nonetheless, very good. Yeah. Uh, all all good. It was very good who done it because like she's killing people or attempting to kill people in a way that makes sense for each one of them. And she's yes. using the script to her advantage. I, I very much appreciate it. And letting Corinne do the murder herself. <laughs> not all of kind them, of but funny. yeah. 
the last one. That oh, yeah, funny. I guess not Jorge. We got a delicious. We got some buzz. We got a whole lot of just kind of funny moments. So I'm overall very excited about this episode, and I hope everyone that's listening is excited about it, too. It was fun. We got Chief. We got Henry. Poor Juliet. I felt bad for her in this one. <laughs> uh, speaking of meatballs, I'm Alexis. Usually I hunger for her meatballs the way a jackal salivates for an injured possum. But sadly, I have no appetite for them now. And I'm Kaylee, which means all the gummy bears and poppycock we can jam into our bellies. And this has been... <laughs> 